Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. We're momming today with Noelle Jett. You know her from Jet Set Farmhouse. Also a mom of five. Five. Uh, Noelle, I'm so excited to talk to you because I'm in the middle of a kitchen renovation that's been going on for six months. So, yeah. Oh. <laughs> Welcome. Oh, <I'm> sorry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. We'll get into that in a second. Um, but I love going to particularly your Instagram page, Jet Set Farmhouse. And you just see the, I mean, you have an Amazon store on this and, and the way you... Um, get inspired to transform uh, homes and spaces. How did that all start? We love what we do, but it all began really when I met my husband. He had been involved in the contracting world most of his adult life. And while I always had a heart for decor and renovations, it wasn't until I met him that we teamed up and began doing it for the public. So for about 12 years, we worked on other people's kitchens and bathrooms, helped renovate them, make them beautiful spaces. And throughout this time, we talked about the dream of building our own home. Even though we had never actually built an entire house before, we loved the idea of it. He, it's something he had dreamed about since he was in high school. So we you know, started putting all the wheels into motion and were finally able to make that dream happen. Wait, are you living in that house yet? Or it's still being, we did, being designed we did, we and made? Lived finished it. So we moved into the house at the end of 2019. And then in the fall of 21, so about a year ago, we ended up selling it because we realized through this process that instead of that house just being like the end goal, it was just a stepping stone. And we loved it so much that it was something that we wanted to do again. So we um, Yeah, but in 2021, and- Noel, the market was hot. You made some money. Yes. <laughs> yes, we did. <laughs> okay, sorry, yeah, I interrupted you. So you sold last year in 2021. Yes. Yeah. And then? And bought land, and we were going to start building immediately, but due to, well, first of all, I got pregnant, so that was kind of a, a little bit of a, not a damper in a bad way, but just kind of a hold on the building process because I did not want to be stressed out and you know, you know how it is when you're renovating something or building something. There's so many decisions to be made. It's such a stressful process that I did not want to go through that while pregnant. So I said, let's just enjoy our lives, kind of hang low for a little bit. We ended up um, finishing the one flip house that we did, and we're just about to purchase another one. So we've kind of kept ourselves busy doing that. And now we're going to ready. We're getting ready to jump back into the build process. Wow. Um yeah, kind of renovations or and, and pregnancies don't go together. They're both like no. all consuming, all consuming yeah. and disruptive to the body yes. and to the home. No, thank you. Yes. <laughs> so did you okay. I, like, were you in in the course of everything that you've taken on stuck in supply chains? 
Well, that is, that's the other part of the decision to kind of hold back is we saw what was happening with pricing and supply chains. And we decided that if we were going to be sitting and waiting, we would rather do it now and be not stressed about it versus like, hey, we need to move into this house in six months and we can't get windows. So yeah. we thought it was a better decision to kind of wait out the market, see what happened, let everything stabilize before we just jump back into it. What's your favorite part of any home? Like what speaks to you? For me, it's the foyer when I walk in. There's something about an entranceway. That's amazing. So I actually have two that I would say are just neck and neck. And I don't know that I could take one. But one is a front porch, like a beautiful wraparound front porch with seating and just envisioning sitting there, you know, drinking some tea and flipping through a magazine, chatting with somebody. I just love that feeling. And the second would be a kitchen because I love to cook. I have a large family, not just with five kids, but our extended family is large. So we always have people over. I love to cook for them and entertain. So having a beautiful kitchen space, that speaks to my soul. <laughs> is there something, let's let's stick with the kitchen because now you're speaking my language. <laughs> and I'm thinking about all the things I did wrong. Um, is there, is there, um, I mean, do you always have that same traditional farmhouse sink or is there something that stays with you and everything that you design? So the one thing that I have stuck with in all my kitchen designs is porcelain countertops, which is something that is a little unusual for a lot of people in some areas of the country. It's not as unusual, but it just hasn't caught on in all places that I am a diehard porcelain fan and I love everything about it and I will continue to stick with them as long as I possibly can. Well, it's thinner. Porcelain's thinner, no? It's Well, it is thinner, but it is constructed in a way, and especially at stone, and it's constructed in a way that doesn't chip. I mean, if you took a you know, meat cleaver to the edge of it, obviously it's going to chip. But just as in a normal standard working kitchen, you're going to be fine. Um, but it's completely, you know, it's fired at 1200 degrees. So it's not going to damage if you put something hot on it. So it has, you know, the qualities of a granite or a marble, but it has none of the upkeep. You don't have to seal it. You don't have to do any of those things that you have to with those natural stones. So that's why I'm a massive fan of it. Noelle's a fan of the porcelain countertop. Okay, you heard it. <laughs> also, a window above my sink. I always have that deal. You know, we were doing, um, we were thinking of, we we broke a wall and we were combining. I, oh, I got rid of my my dining room. I didn't want to do it, but then I did it, whatever. So we were, we had a much bigger space now and we were thinking of yep. um, different options for the sink. And one person wanted to put it on the island. And I was like, oh, that just mm. feels so weird. But no, I yeah. stuck with my sink I, is I right, right near the window. Yep, I like it on a perimeter and I like it with a window. Yeah. So you can look out and see something nice as you're washing yes. dishes. I like, <laughs> I like um, it, But how did you get started in, in, in the love of design and, and, and have that um, beauty was so important to you? It actually goes back to my childhood and I was raised in extreme poverty where, you know, we had nothing nice of any measure, nothing even new. And my grandmother loved beautiful homes and she had this old Victorian home and they had done renovations on it. And I loved going there and sitting on her beautiful front porch 
and flipping through these magazines like, you know, traditional home and country living, Southern home, all those magazines and just seeing these beautiful spaces that were something I never saw in real life. And they seemed like such a dream to me and never in a million years would I have imagined that someday I would be in that world. But that is what inspired it in me and just made me grow a love for it that translated into my adult life. And into your brand. And I have so many more questions and we're going to get to them when We're Momming Today continues right after this. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Janice Dean, Fox News Senior Meteorologist. Be sure to subscribe to the Janice Dean Podcast at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And don't forget to spread the sunshine. And we're back on We're Momming Today with Noelle Jett. Um, what was it? You say extreme poverty and you, you put an emphasis on extreme. What exactly did that mean? So my parents were very religious. So my dad was an associate pastor at a church and that kind of, you know, parlayed into some of the financial stresses that we had. Um, but it was just, it was a poor part of the country. No one there really had money. So we didn't really realize how extreme it was until, you know, we got older but we, you know, pretty much grew all of our own food and my dad hunted and we would raise a cow to have some meat, but we never went to the grocery store and like bought meat. That was just something unheard of. I think my mom at one point spent $300 a month on groceries for an entire family of seven. And that was like at the height of our success. Um, it was, it was just a poverty that I didn't realize how deep it was until I grew up and looked back. So, when your family sees how you live and, and your success and your, your wealth now, what what is their response to that? They're proud. They're very proud. They, I mean, it's, you know, it's caused a few, a few rights over the years, but for the most part, I think they're proud and they all have amazing successes in their own ways. I have four brothers and they're all, you know, doing fabulously in life. So I think they're just proud that we all overcame it and, got past it. We all live in Florida pretty much now. And I think they're just proud that we were all able to overcome everything that we went through. My dad became a paraplegic when I was 12 years old. And, you know, that added, he had no oh. insurance that added a whole another set of stresses to the family. Oh, um, wow. so just to know that we were able to overcome those, you know, extreme set of adversities and make something of ourselves is pretty amazing. Do you still have a garden? I don't personally right now, but once I get back on my land, I will. And my dad still does. <laughs> and what's it like to team up with big brands? How, how does that work? Who, who do you team up with? Um, I have teamed up with pretty much anyone in the home market for sure. And it's fun. It's exciting. It's mind blowing sometimes. It, you know, they want to work with little me, um, but it is. So really they cool approach you. Yes, at this point, I have an agent and they reach out to him and he coordinates everything. So do you they they give you access to a certain number of products? You pick the product. Just I'm just curious how that works, because this idea, I shouldn't say idea, this this reality of being an influencer is a profitable occupation. Absolutely. And honestly, that's not why we got into this world at all. I had no idea it even existed. To me, social media marketing was, I, I didn't know those words when I began sharing on Instagram. To me, it was just a personal release, something to do for myself, something I thought people may enjoy. And about 
six months into sharing, the first brand reached out to me. And it was a little different in the beginning. You know, they do reach out to me constantly now. Um, but back then, it was a little different. But they DM'd me and wanted to know if I would be interested in putting doors and letting them put doors on our house in exchange for pictures. And I thought, you know, I thought maybe it was a hoax at first or some kind of scam. Um, but it wasn't. And it ended up being one of the single biggest collaborations we did on our house because they did all the doors and they were beautiful, high end, gorgeous doors. And that is what completely changed my thinking. If this brand would be willing to work with us, who else would be willing to work with us? So that kind of changed the direction of where I was taking the brand. How can I provide value to my audience? and work with as many brands as possible. And that changed the trajectory of our house, changed what we were doing. Instead of just doing this DIY kind of scrap together home that we would finish over the course of five years, we finished it in 18 months as a magazine book worthy home. Okay. But in the process, did you alienate a lot of your your followers who liked the, they could afford the DIY aspect and now you're in, you know, you're in magazines? I don't think so, just because we still did it as a DIY, like just because we were provided the materials, we still installed them ourselves, we still, you know, did all the work to make it come together. So I think they just got excited for us. And we're just so excited to see this journey, and watch how we utilize social media that is really accessible for anyone, and took that and made that kind of like a DIY approach to finishing our home. And that works for all aspects. I mean, you could put, you can hang a certain chandelier over your kitchen table and um, that's courtesy of a, of a brand that has a partnership with you. So so Absolutely. that that chandelier is free for you and then you get proceeds every time someone else buys it on the link that you provide? There's different ways that you can do it. I don't usually do affiliate codes, um, okay. but there are different ways. At this point in where we are in our brand, um, it's more like they're paying us, plus they're giving us the product to talk about them. And that's usually the end of it. Um, but there are there are plenty of ones that do affiliate codes or ones that will just do product exchanges only. We did plenty of product exchanges only on the house. Um, so it's, there's many different ways. I always refer to it as the wild, wild west, because there's just so many different ways to work with people and no one's really quite mastered at all. I remember I worked with brands that had never even done a contract before. And they're like, we want to do this. We want to get in this game to help us. Like, how can we do this? And I'd walk them through what I was learning and help them figure out this process for themselves so that not only could they work with me, but they'd have a process in place to work with other people down the road. Last, but certainly not least, you have five children. <laughs> yeah. Five. I mean, that, well, you grew up, you said you had four, you had four brothers. So you, you grew up uh, in a house of how many? So there were five kids in that family as well. So seven total. Okay. So you're used to this. I have three children yeah. and everyone's like, oh, you can have a fourth. I'm like, you're joking, right? We are so tapped out <laughs> at three. So what is five like? So my mom always said, and I've heard this from plenty of other ladies, that once you get past three, it's like easy. So you're at the hardest one right now with three. Like once you're outnumbered, the game just changes. And once you can get used to that number, you can really go on to add as many more as you like. And it's not going to feel that different. <laughs> okay. I've heard that. I've heard that. But you need different cars. You need a lot more money if they want to do a lot of activities, right? You need more space in the home. Um, that is so true. <laughs> although so they can wear each other's that, clothes. So you save money there. Yes, 
Yes, you have hand-me-downs. Um, one thing that we unintentionally did, because we did not expect to have an infertility struggle, but we have massive age gaps. You know, my oldest is 17, and then 14, 9, 6, and now we have a newborn. So that age gap has honestly been amazing because the older girls, they think this baby is basically theirs. They yep. you know, want to hold him all the time. Actually, the 14-year-old has the baby right now while I'm talking to you, and they're snuggled up in there hanging out together, and they're in heaven. So, Built-in babysitter. Um, yes, yes. <laughs> can, may, I ask, may I ask you a little bit about your fertility struggles? Absolutely. We've been pretty open with them just because after everything we've been through, I want to use my story to encourage others and inspire them with what we were able to end up having. So when, so when we, did you, yeah, go ahead. So when I met Daniel, I actually had my oldest two daughters and we, he instantly, he loved that. He was like, I've always wanted a big family. I love this idea. Like let's have lots more babies. And we didn't get pregnant. And we didn't get pregnant and we didn't get pregnant. And, we're, and of course, everyone thinks, oh, it's Daniel. You know, she has two kids. It's not her. But so we had him tested right away. It wasn't him, but it, I had endometriosis. And that was what was causing the issue. So we um, struggled for several years. And then finally, we did, we did different treatments, different procedures, trying to fix it. And it wasn't working. Um, and then we did one procedure and miraculously got pregnant three days later. So two weeks later, you know, we go into the doctor, we find out, we're so excited, and it's a blighted ovum, which is just, you know, basically a sack with no baby inside. Mm. So I had to have a DNC, and it just felt so cruel. Like, you know, we've been through all of this, we finally get pregnant, and nothing. So at that point, actually it was before that, that the doctors had told us that we would not have any more kids. Like they said, we're sorry to tell you this, we know this is really hard news to hear, but you're not going to have any more kids. So the fact we even got pregnant was a miracle. Um, and then three months later, we finally get pregnant with our daughter, Amelia, which was just amazing and exciting. Um, and that's your nine-year-old? Yeah, that's our nine-year-old. Had mm -hmm. a very seamless pregnancy. Everything went great. And we immediately began trying again. And two years later, we found out we were pregnant as I was miscarrying. And I go to the hospital. They're like, you're miscarrying there's nothing there before I even knew I was pregnant. Three weeks later, I actually found out that there had, there was a twin and it was fine, had a heartbeat. Everything looked great. Um, so we were super excited. And then three weeks later, that one had passed as well. And oh. it just was like, you know, a stab in the gut. Like, why is this happening to us? Um, so I, I told Daniel at that point, obviously we have been blessed with a miracle baby. Like Amelia is something the doctors told us wouldn't happen. She's here with us. I cannot keep going through this emotional pain. So this, this happened in December. So in January, I told him I can try for six more months. And at that point, I just need to be thankful for what we have and move on. And on the sixth month, I got pregnant with crew. <laughs> so we had him. Everything was great. Once I get, once I get past like, you know, certain stage, everything is fine. Um, it's just getting, but it's nerve wracking getting to that stage. Yeah. Yes. And then we had crew again, just kind of weren't intentionally trying, but we weren't not trying. And uh, two years ago, absolutely, we get pregnant again. And we're like, wow, this is amazing. What a surprise. We didn't think this would ever happen. And we lost that one. And we were like, okay, I'm done. Like I, I, we got to, we're, we're good here. And last December, just 
at my 40th birthday, the time I'm like, okay, you know, those years are over. I'm moving into the next decade of my life. Two weeks later, I found out that Case was in my belly and we just had him September 1st and he's the perfect, you know, end of our, end of our child years. <laughs> How many miscarriages was that? That, um, is that seven total? Cause there were two that happened earlier in my life too. So there was a total of seven. Yeah. That's a lot. That's a lot to go through. It's a lot. It is a lot. And you kind of just, you know, when you're in the moment, you just move past, you just push forward. You, you know, you don't, it's just such a taboo in our society to really even talk about it. Like I have friends that their, their mom or their sister doesn't even know that they've had a miscarriage because they just feel so much shame over it. And I try my best to be as open and honest, even pushing myself past my comfort level sometimes because I hope to change that and let people know that you are not alone. The statistics are just crazy how many women have miscarriages. It is a very common thing, and it should not be something that you handle in privacy. If my you doctor, my, my OBGYN actually told me, she's like, look, I'm going to let you miscarry three times, and then I'm going to wow. look into the problem because they're just so, wow. com- it's, it's so common. Yeah. She's like, I don't see so anything common. outright, so let's see how how many miscarriages you yeah. actually have before before we see if there's you know a, a, an underlying issue? Yeah, they're in, incredibly. If yours are, if yours were anything like mine, none of them Early. were the same. All different yeah. reasons, all different times, all different things. So there was no like pattern that the doctor same. could look at. And this is the problem. So we never really had any answers. We actually had a genetic issue with um with one, but it turned out we. It was a rent. It was a random. Um, okay. Um, it's a random thing that. Yeah. So wow. it wasn't even like they had to look for that problem happening again. So I know each one mm. is just completely different. I always say to people, if they're early, consider yourself lucky. You know. Yes. The ones for me were after we saw a heartbeat, and after you know we get to that end of the first trimester, and it would be like, thank God we made it, and then something would happen. Those were the worst for me. Yes. Yes, I know you're holding your breath and you're like, at what point can you just, I guess never, not until you deliver the baby. Can no, you just not until they're in my arms. I know, I know. They were in my arms. I finally just breathe that sigh of relief. And to end on a positive, and this is a complete pivot from this conversation. <laughs> what was it? I, I'm assuming Better Homes and Gardens was your favorite publication to be published in. I'm not, I'm not sure. You tell me if I'm wrong, but that feeling when you made it into the magazine. You finally had the magazine home that you looked at sitting on your grandmother's porch growing up in Southwestern Missouri. It's such an overwhelming feeling and it made me wish my grandmother was here to see that she would have been so mm-hmm. proud. Uh, Noelle Jet, tell us where we can find everything that you do. We are Jet Set Farmhouse on all platforms and Jet okay. Set Farmhouse is our blog. So good to talk with you. Incredible story, you rags to riches. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. I'm Charles Payne. Listen to my Unstoppable Prosperity podcast so I can get you making money right now. Whether stocks are hitting new all-time highs or in free-fall mode, opportunities abound. So why are so many potential investors still sitting on the sidelines? In a new season of my podcast, I'm going to get you in the game. After 38 years on Wall Street, I'm ready to impart some lessons and get you invested in the greatest wealth-generating machine in history. Listen anytime, everywhere at foxbusinesspodcast.com or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. 
Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.